Good afternoon, boxing fans around the world. Back again on Combat Talk Radio, found at combattalkradio.net with a our weekend of boxing updates here. Feel free to check us out. Once again, the site is combattalkradio.net. Leave us some comments, questions, suggestions, feedback on how we're doing, and we will get right into our weekend of boxing. Good morning, boxing fans. Back for another weekend, stacked weekend for boxing. A really, I'm going to do a different flow. I'm going to cover fights that wrapped up. They didn't wrap up this weekend. They were during the week, which pisses me off, but they, they happened during the week. I'm going to cover those first because I want to, these were really good fights and I'm really pissed that they do this, but it was overseas. It's in Japan. So the times that difference played in and then Japan just likes to do their shit during the week. And I'm like, dude, come on, people work anyhow. <laughs> so the big one and people had this, Backwards. I'm going to call it like it really was. The monster, Naya Inouye, fought Stephen Fulton. They had Stephen Fulton the A-side. This took place at 12-round Super Vanweight action out in uh, Kotoku, Japan. Listen, I people went in on this fight, and they felt like Stephen Fulton had a really good chance to beat Inouye, as did I, because Fulton is a solid boxer. It's not like he's going to knock you out, but he's a solid boxer in his own right. At top level, he's top. He's top ranked top rated, and no, Inouye just completely destroyed this guy, absolutely destroyed him in impression fashion. I, I was I was surprised. Everybody everybody online, when they saw the absolute decimation of this guy, who's really highly ranked, was just stunned and shocked. And so Inouye stoppage in eight rounds for WBC and WBO um, bantamweight championships. So... Anoe, in my opinion, is the number one pound. If we're going to use pound for pound, I would put Anoe in that class because if we, what is what is pound for pound? It is the idea that if you are fighting in a different weight class, could anybody beat you? I know there's some people like NSB and other places that have Crawford number one pound for pound. I saw, I think his name is Kevin Ioli. He's out here talking about that. Well, no, he's up there for four days, but based on the Spence Crawford, it may put number one. Do, 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 and then had the nerve to say. If Spence beats Crawford, he wouldn't get number one. But if Crawford beats Spence, he gets number one. Like, you can't get this level of overrating anywhere the fuck else in any other sport. But this is a joke at this point. And I'm going to call it out what it is. This dude is the Dave Meltzer of boxing. We're making such a bullshit statement. Here's why I say this. His own list has Spence at number five. Whether I agree or disagree doesn't matter. The one is his own list has Spence at number five. His own list has Crawford at number two. That means that really the bigger win would be Spence beating Crawford. Spence beating Crawford should displace Crawford as number two and put Spence up as number two and drop Crawford to number five. If we're honest here, Spence should not leapfrog Inouye because Spence has not had the level of domination for years that Inouye has had. Crawford being number two, if he beat Spence, all he did was beat the number five guy. He shouldn't move. If anything, if it was a close decision or he struggled or he got dropped or anything else, he should drop down to one. But this dude's talking about if he beats Errol Spence in clear, dominant fashion, that he overleaps Inouye. Fuck you, dude. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about because that's bullshit. Because what you're saying is that beating a number five guy just for Terrence Crawford is going to elevate you over the monster Inouye. But yet, when you got guys like Andre or somebody else, it don't matter who they fight. They're never going to get elevated, but they got to beat Canelo. But Canelo can fight number 10s and he'll stay at the top. That's what we're saying here. He'll say, no, Canelo is different. That's why it's bullshit because you're a hypocrite. I'll call it out for what it is. So, no, Monster Inouye is the number one guy. 
from a stylistic perspective, he's the best I see right now. People point back at his fight against Denair and they dismiss the fact that Denair is a legend in the business, one of the best fighters in his own right. Yes, he was older, it didn't really matter, Inouye did the rematch and dispatched him in short term. So, no, I'll say it, Inouye, if we're going to use pound for pound as a reference, which I think is bullshit separately, but we're going to use it as a reference, Inouye is the number one guy from a stylistic perspective, from a resume perspective, from a dominance perspective. Crawford has asterisks next to every 147 win, period, point blank. Inouye has no asterisk. He leaves no doubt of who was the better fighter come fight night. And that's the quality of a number one guy. Nobody comes close to him. Fury doesn't come close to him. Canelo doesn't come close to him. None of these cats come close to him as good as they are. They don't come close to Inouye. How long will Inouye last? Nobody knows because he's been dominant this long. We suspect he's not going to be able to last too much longer. He's already 30 years old. And in the lower weight classes like Bantamweight and Featherweight and so on, it's harder to sustain this type of momentum because you lose your speed. You lose your speed quick. You've taken some damage. Inouye's taken some damage. So it's not like he's invincible. It's just that nobody's been able to crack what he's got going on other than Denair the one time, and Denair couldn't do it in the rematch. So I don't think there's anybody out right now in the weight classes he's in that's going to be able to deal with this dude, and that's the quality of a pound-for-pound level fighter is the monster Inouye. And I think it's just because he's from Japan, may not speak direct English, is not seen on broadcast shores, that they're not giving him a fair shake, and I'm calling that out for the bullshit that it is. So I wanted to talk about that one first so I can get my rant out of the way. Now let's talk about some more positive shit because that pissed me off. Anyhow, in Vegas, this happened uh, yesterday, actually. Palms Casino Resort in Vegas, 10 rounds of super lightweight action. Uh, Andres Cortez beat Xavier Martinez, stopped him. Uh, Cortez was top dude. Cortez was expected to go in there and put on a master class, and that's exactly what he did. Martinez has a quality of his own young guy. He still can rebound from this. He still can go somewhere. I think very highly of him as a boxer, just that Cortez is on another level. He's, he's kind of, he's not anywhere close to like a knowing level of skill, but he was on another level to where I didn't even see any other outcome of this one, but because it didn't happen on the weekend, I'd only do the recovery on the weekend. So I cover that one. Then we got 10 rounds of minimum weight action, women's action, Sinesia Estrada beat uh, Linella Paola Yudica. Now, <clears throat> Estrada, Estrada was expected to dominate the fight. She didn't dominate the fight. She got the W. She didn't dominate the fight. She actually, she got tested a little bit. And Yudica's she's older and she's been on a slide, but yet she gave everything she had in that. She gave everything she had. If you go by the scorecards that's published, they'll tell a story that Estrada was straight up dominant. It's not that she wasn't dominant. I'm saying that Yudika was there all night long and she made Estrada work for that W. That's my point. And I don't feel like she should have. I don't feel like she should have been able to put that much work in against Estrada. I feel like it should have been a complete blowout and I didn't get the sense that it was. So for me, I was surprised at just seeing that Estrada had to put work. She had to put work in there on that. And I think that Yudika's got some... Uh, you know, skin in the game. She wants to stay in it. But again, she's a little bit older. So we'll have to see where she goes there. Then let's talk about today's fights, the exciting stuff that's on deck. And, you know, some of these fights got some crazy criticism, unfair criticism. I'm going to go through every last one of them because I think it's, I think the events are worth your time. If you get a chance to check them out, I think they're worth your time. Some people dismiss whatever. I think they're all worth your time in their own way. Starting up, T-Mobile Arena in Vegas, 
12 rounds of lightweight action. Isak Cruz finally gets back in the ring. He's fighting Giovanni Cabrera. I've not seen too much of Cabrera. The weird thing is when you see him at like the weigh-ins and the pressers, he looks like an older dude, but he's not. He's, he's under 30 years old, but he looks like an older dude. Interesting on this one, Cabrera's undefeated. Cabrera's a southpaw. Cabrera is a boxer. He's a, he's a, um, he's, what do you describe it as? He's a pure, I'll use the word pure, boxer. Equal level of pro experience. Cabrera is going to go in and he's going to work. Similar to guys like Formella, similar to guys like Sander Martin. He's going to go in there and he's going to put work in. And so you've got two ways to go about it. You can try to get him out of there, but I think it's going to be difficult to do it. Or you can try to outbox him, which I think Isak Cruz, this is a good test to see if he's going to be able to outbox somebody who's just a more pure boxer. Because Isak Cruz is not a pure boxer. Isak Cruz is going to go in there and slug and brawl. And Isak Cruz has had his head drifting away on trying to get a tank rematch. And I think most people don't care to see that rematch. It's not like he was significantly dominant in the fight. Tank had a injured hand. And I believe the tank dispatches him in short if they do have a rematch. He just was overly aggressive. A lot of his aggression was ineffective. I didn't care too much about it. And I don't care about him focusing so much on Tank Davis when he needs to focus on the guy in front of him. So then this division that we're talking about here in lightweight is hot right now. And so this is a picture of who we can expect might be next up deck. When you got guys like Devin Haney, Devin Haney is talking about keeping his belt and maybe going up to 140 to pursue a, to pursue a shot and get some money. But 135, the lightweight division is, is hot right now. Um, so I want to just put in perspective. This fight, I think these two guys, we're going to get a picture of who's possibly next for a title shot. So I think it's going to be a good fight for as long as it lasts. I don't think Cabrera is going to stink out the joint per se, but just don't expect a knockout from the dude. You're not, I don't see you're going to get it. I think Cruz is going to go for it. But remember, depending on who Cruz is in there with, you know, he might just get circled and outboxed. And I do see that's a potential that could happen and get upset by a guy who might be hungry and want a title shot. Then the fight everybody's criticizing, I think unfairly, 12 rounds of Ben Wade action. This is on Showtime, pay-per-view, by the way. TNT Sports Box Office in the UK. The return of Nonito Denaire. Nonito Denaire is fighting Alejandro Santiago. Denaire is just, he's a, not only is he a legend of the business, he's a good dude. He deserves his chops. He deserves everything that's coming to him. He's going to be a future Hall of Famer. And he deserves what he's getting. And people are criticizing that he's still fighting. People are criticizing the fact that, you know, he didn't get it done against Inouye, but you got to understand, Inouye's on another level. But Daenerys still here. To me, he's still here. I mean, he's, I, I kind of regard Daenerys now like some guys from the past that just fought and fought and fought, like Humberto Soto, like, for example, where he was still competitive at the upper classes, Gabe Rosado still competitive in older age. So I, I just, for me, he's like that quality of fighter. I just think he's a good dude and he's quality and he's going to be a Hall of Famer and we should be excited. It's interesting. Nobody's excited to see him in action, but yet if this is Manny Pacquiao, people be jumping in the seats. And even though it's the same damn thing. Regardless, I like the fight. I like it a lot. 
Daenerys coming off of a stoppage loss, a dominant stoppage loss, and he had a little bit of a layoff. He's coming back now, fresh and reinvigorated. Alejandro Santiago had a stoppage win just freshly, but, and Santiago's been through wars. Santiago's been through absolute wars. He goes in there and he just, he's not afraid to push it. He's been in wars. Daenerys been in wars. Daenerys a little bit more practiced in the war game, but they've both been in wars. And so I like the fight because it's two guys that are not afraid to give you everything they can. They'll leave it in the ring to entertain you as a fan. And to me, we should be celebrating that. And instead, they're criticizing a guy like Daenerys for fighting so long. Daenerys 40 years old. Santiago's damn near half his age. So I, I think that's where the criticism is coming from. We got to stop doing that because we didn't do that for Manny Pacquiao. Good fight. I don't know how to pick it. I'm going to lean towards Santiago ever slightly. Not because I think Santiago's better, but because we don't know where Daenerys at right now. Then the big fight that everybody really wants to hear about, and I left it for last because you saved the best for last. The truth, Errol Spence Jr. fighting Terrence Bud Crawford for all the belts at 147. Likely, very strongly likely, going to be the last fight at 147 for both guys. That's likely. Definitely, it's going to be, according to Spence, the last fight at 147 for him. I expect Crawford will move up as well. Don't know that for a fact, but I expect that. I also expect that whoever comes out of this might end up fighting Keith once upon a time Thurman at 154 because Keith wants to get back in the ring. There was a deal on the table for Errol Spence. Errol decided to wait for Crawford while Crawford went and robbed a bank with David Avenesian and sketchy gloves. Now that gives quality, and I want to call that out as we close here. Errol Spence waited for this man. Errol Spence wanted this fight. Errol Spence didn't want to take a soft touch. Errol Spence didn't want any excuses. Errol Spence didn't want anything getting in the way. Errol Spence made this happen. Crawford didn't make it happen. Crawford walked away from the negotiation table. Crawford went over to BLK Prime, robbed a bank. Crawford went to fight David Avenesian, who was a mandatory. But the point is, he decided he didn't have to do that. He wasn't required to. He chose to. Fights David Avenesian to rob a bank. There's sketchy gloves, knocks the guy out with tape fists, essentially, and then comes back to fight Spence. Well, then now, Crawford was getting hit. Crawford was getting hit against Avenesian. Crawford was getting some against Avenesian. So now you got to ask the question. People are saying, well, Spence was inactive and that's dangerous. Spence was just as inactive when just before he fought Ugas and it didn't really matter. Crawford being active might, might have actually hurt him depending on how much damage he took. And it's not like Avenesian was a power puncher, but still you're getting hit, right? And you didn't need to because he didn't have to. So now we're here. Apparently both guys made weight. The whole rumors flowing around were that Crawford was missing weight multiple times. We never proved it. It all came apparently from blue blood. I don't know this. But that was the story is that Crawford missed weight multiple times. And so then he was able to make weight. But that's why they did a closed weigh-in, which is allowed in Vegas, because Crawford was having trouble making weight. Do I believe that Crawford was having trouble making weight? Possibly, because Crawford was walking around with a dark hoodie. And it's 100 freaking 20 degrees out here in Vegas. So I, I think that's kind of weird. When you look at him, when he's got the hoodie off, he looks fine. Then some people said that Spence looks drained. I don't think he looks drained. He looks the same as he's done in other fights. Both guys look tired. That's what stood out to me. They look tired. They look like they haven't been significantly rested. Of course, they haven't rehydrated. They probably are rehydrated by now, obviously, but I'm saying at the time of all these events and everything, they look like they were just tired. Crawford looked tired. Spence looked tired. They might have even been working up to the late game. One thing I'll call out, and I don't have any, this came from Bomac, so that's the source. I don't know what it means, but apparently Crawford started camp back in March. That's a long-ass camp. And what tends to happen sometimes with fighters is you overtrain. And when you overtrain, you don't perform nearly as good as you should. 
because you're overtrained. You gotta, it's a balance. You gotta learn how you train. Cause usually like a six week camp or something, which gets you right in the middle. And then you learn about rest periods. You're hydrating, dehydrating, you're eating good nutrition and everything else. Spence weighed in exactly at 147. If it's true that Crawford took one try, Spence only took one. Okay. Let's set the weight aside. The overtraining is a good question. Did guys overtrain? We don't know. I don't know. I didn't see a source of when Spence actually started his camp. He didn't look overtrained from what I could tell, but I don't know because I don't know exactly when he started. But if Bomac's true and he's the source that Crawford started camp back in March, there's a risk he might have overtrained. And if he overtrained, it, that would explain why he looks so tired now during this uh, event because he's never looked this tired. Uh, you know, if you go back when he was a uh, presser with Kel Brook and presser with Porter, he didn't look anywhere near this tired. Like here he looked tired. I suspect the heat did some of it and I'll play that, but I think there's a possibility of overtraining in, in play here. There's a possibility of the weight deal, which we can't prove. So these are questions. We don't know what's really going to go on. What we do know is that this has a rematch clause built into it. The winner is basically required to give a rematch to the loser as part of the contract. So it doesn't have to happen right away, but they're required to give a rematch to the loser. So then Spence said, well, if, you know, if I happen to lose whatever rematch, it's going to have to be 154 or I'm going to go somewhere else and do something else. <laughs> so, you know, and then again, I think Crawford would have to go up because I think he's possibly at that point of where he's going to need to. And maybe 154 is his last weight class because you know, he's been going to the ranks. He was at 130, 135, 140, 147. So maybe he also has to go up one more weight class till he's done. Spence is just a big guy. You know, he debuted at 154, if you didn't know this, and then went down to 147 and campaigned there. But it was easy for him to make the weight at 147 during the Floyd era. Lately, he's been saying, and he said this during the initial negotiation, that it's hard for him to make 147. He's going to have to move up to 154. And he was wanting the first negotiation to be, let's get this, let's put a stamp on and get this done. And then, of course, Crawford walked away from negotiation. So then Spence, you know, he's been out. But at the same time, Crawford was over there doing his thing, getting hit, getting a bank, but getting hit. We don't know what that played in. Did anything, was anything off? Was anything not there? This overtraining, if true, was anything there? This weight, if anything there, is it true? We don't know. So I'm not trying to change your opinion of the fight. Most people are still sitting 50-50 on this one. I think, you know, 50-50 is just, 50-50 is just not fair. The reason I say 50-50 is not fair is because people are looking at it in a different lens than I would expect. So most people out there don't know how to call whether or not there's a knockout. Okay, so this is one. Well, let's look at the numbers. Terrence Crawford has knocked out everybody he fought at 147. Okay, so if he knocked out everybody he fought at 147, I question why people are unsure that he gets a knockout against Spence, right? They're not sure, okay? Errol Spence has not knocked out everybody at 147. He did not knock out Danny Swift. He did not knock out Mikey. He did not knock out Porter and so on. So... Okay, then why would you think that Spence can knock out Crawford? And again, if it sounds like I'm playing in the middle, it's because I'm trying to get you to think about how people are judging their score in this fight in their heads. If, if you're a Crawford fan, right? If you're a Crawford fan and everybody knows, I have no, I've, it's not about me being a fan or not a fan of Terrence Crawford. 
I don't like, first, he has asterisks against every win. That's what that is. That's what it is. He lied with about Bob Arm talking about racism. That was bullshit. I'm sorry. It's what it is. He walked away from the negotiation table when we could have had this damn fight last year or early this year instead of all this smoke. He lied about not wanting to fight Porter way back yonder. He's He's been avoiding, essentially avoiding making this fight because he re-signed with top rank. Him re-signing with top rank guaranteed it wasn't going to happen. That's a knowing decision. He chose to do that because he was trying to chase a Pacquiao fight. Pacquiao was aligned with PBC. So that wasn't going to happen either. So now I'm, I'm putting it together. Okay, you're doing all these things that are contrary to getting a fight made with this dude. And is it possible that you're just hesitant to fight this guy? I can't help but think that because of his actions. So it's not whether I'm a fan or not. That has nothing to do with the shit. I don't like what he's done with his career because more could have been done. Let's be honest here. From the moment he beat Jeff Horn, he should have immediately signed with the PBC, gone over, quote, gone across the street and said, I want that fight. Let's make this happen. Spence at that point would have been put in a position. Hey, do I fight him now? Because at that time, Spence had not beaten Sean Porter and Spence had not beaten Ugas. He only had the IBF at that time, or excuse me, Keith Thurman. So he only had the IBF. Now it's not as big of a fight. But what it would have done is it would have simplified getting to the point we're at now instead of having to burn five years to get to this point. That's my, that's my criticism on Crawford's side. And then people are like, well, why don't you criticize Spence? Because it wasn't on Spence. Spence was always the A side in this shit. He was always the A side. It didn't, it didn't matter because you can't be A side holding only WBO. There has never been a single WBO only champion that was an A side in a fight that you can recollect. It's never going to happen. The A side fighters hold either WBA, WBC, or in some cases IBF. Because when Kell Brook held IBF overseas, the one that Sean Porter lost domestically, Kell Brook was the A side when he fought Errol Spence. That's just, that's just the way it is. So I already knew, Crawford, you're going to be the B side. It don't matter what the fuck he did in 140. It, it really doesn't matter. We're talking 147, and at 147, Spence had better quality wins long since. So I was looking at Crawford saying, you as the, you haven't accepted your B-side status. You need to do whatever you need to do to get in that damn ring with this dude. Now, when it's hot, when people are talking about it, when it's at that moment. And I'll hit you a little bit more history lesson. When Floyd was still in the game, this is at the trail end of his career. This was, I believe it was fresh off after he beat Manny. So it's 2016, 2017, somewhere around there. Floyd did an interview, and it's out there on YouTube, and I'm happy to share it if people can't find it. But Floyd did an interview, and he was talking about how he wanted Errol Spence to fight, in this case, Keith Thurman. You know, Errol Spence, he wanted, or excuse me, Keith Thurman, Terrence Crawford, he wanted to fight. He wanted to see these big fights made with Errol Spence. Floyd is a big Errol Spence fan because Errol Spence had done some sparring with Floyd when Spence was first coming up in the game, and Spence gave Floyd that work. The theory is that Floyd, or Spence gave rather Floyd, a black guy and really hurt him, went 30 minutes with this guy. And after that point, Floyd had nothing but praise for Errol Spence and wanted the big fights made. Floyd said, you know, I'll, I'll relinquish my belts as soon as I get them. I'll relinquish my belts if we can book a fight between Errol Spence and Crawford or Errol Spence and Thurman. Because Floyd was opening the door. You know, we can make this shit happen, but I want to see these big fights get signed. Crawford is over there on top rank robbing them blind. I don't fault him for that. It is what it is. Keith, once upon a time, Thurman talked a good game, but at the time, he didn't want to fight Spence. He ducked Spence for years. 
when he was champion. He ducked Smith. So then now Spence is trying to work his way up and did what he had to do and eventually earns his way into a title shot against Kell Brook. Fast forward now. We're at a point where we could have made this fight between Spence and Crawford to unify IBF and WBO after Crawford beat Jeff Horn because at that time, Crawford had a little bit of chatter of, okay, he's got a belt, which Spence said, get a belt, we could talk. He's got a belt. Let's make this shit happen. Crawford decides to re-sign with top rank and keep robbing them blind. Again, I don't fault him for it, but that's what happened. Okay, so Spence has to keep doing his thing. Spence has the car wreck. See, this was all before the car wreck where it could have happened where it would have been the best version of Spence. Spence has the car wreck. Spence comes back with the car wreck, completely gives a boxing lesson to Danny Swift Garcia, who's top rated. Beats Sean Porter, takes his WBC. Beats Jordanius Ugas, takes his WBA. So now Spence has the chatter. And Crawford has stagnated because Crawford is not stepping up at all. He's defending his title, but he's not stepping up to the next level that people expected him to. Meanwhile, Spence is the one doing belt collections. Spence's knockouts went down. He did get a stoppage over Jordanius Ugas, but his rate of knockouts went down because of the quality of opposition going up. And largely the reason he got Ugas knocked out is because the doctor called it because Spence broke him the hell down. It wasn't like a flat back knockout or anything of the nature. With Porter, he dropped him, but it was he was nowhere close to knocking the guy out, I would argue. And at the time, Porter was very difficult to knock out. Here we are now, and people on both sides of the fence are, I don't want to say inconsistent, but it seems like they're indecisive. Because if you look at Crawford fans, again, I repeat, Crawford has knocked out everybody at 147. So why now are you even questioning his ability to knock out Errol Spence? Why aren't you sure? Errol Spence has not knocked out anybody. He's knocked out guys in 147, but it's nowhere near the rate that Crawford has done. So why do you think he can knock out Terrence Crawford? Decision-wise, they're both undefeated in decisions, right? But if you look at Crawford, he's very infrequently gone for a decision. He goes for a knockout. He says he doesn't, but he does. He sets a trap, and once he gets you, he's going to go after you to finish it because he doesn't want to go to decision. I don't know if that's because he's not sure of the judges or whatever the deal is. Paul Stahl is the only one I can recollect where he actively went to a decision because he was running away from the dude. But that's not his style. That's not his common style. If you look at every other fight, that's not what he does. So why would you expect Terrence Crawford to win a decision when that's not his forte in any fight where it came even close? Like a Victor Paul Stahl, as an example, Victor Paul Stahl wasn't half damn throwing. Spence is going to throw on you. He's going to throw on you. He's going to touch you. He's going to keep doing it because that's what he does. So why would you think that Crawford can win a decision? Honest question. Errol Spence he has never been in a situation where it was a close decision outside of Sean Porter. So then, if we go by that and we go by the style that Porter put on him, which was constant aggression, constant pressures, Porter was there. He was in his face constantly and arguably might have won the fight if he hadn't got dropped. But Spence, you know, Mikey Garcia, let's say, that was a blowout, easy blowout. But it was rare and he didn't really need to do that, but it happened. So then I ask. Why would you think that Errol Spence is possible to beat Terrence Crawford by decision, given the styles where it was easy for him versus the styles where it wasn't? What do I say? Mikey Garcia essentially ran. He essentially did everything he could not to get knocked out. That's why he was able to last the distance. He's because he did everything he could not to get knocked out. The guys that boxed smart, that gave Spence a little bit of trouble early on, eventually made a mistake and got stopped. Mikey Garcia never made a mistake, but he wasn't there. He wasn't going to win. 
He wasn't going to win that. Sean Porter had to be in Spence's face all night long, constant, constant aggression, constant pressure, and then just happened to make a mistake and get caught. But that was a damn close fight. Crawford is not going to go significantly to war like Porter did. The reason he's not going to do it is for the same reason he didn't try to go to war against Victor Postal, for the same reasons. The perception that the other guy is too strong and too big, and it could put him in a situation where he gets clipped and dropped. Because he's learned from what happened against Gamboa. When Gamboa, he started going to war and playing with Gamboa a little bit, and Gamboa tagged him with something and sent him on Bambi legs. Crawford's learned. He's learned from when Cavalasca's two-piece wobbled and dropped him. Crawford's learned. He's learned. He still gets hit. But it's nowhere near this level where he goes in, engages, and makes silly mistakes. And then if he happens to get close to, like he got close to with Porter, he goes back to the quarter and Bobak's calming him down. Because Crawford's one weakness, and I've said this multiple times, Crawford's one weakness is his temper. Because he tends to lose his temper when he gets hit. And that's the one thing I believe, in my opinion, favors Errol Spence. Errol Spence maintains composure the entire damn fight. He never loses his cool. He never loses his composure. Even if I look at Ocampo, with Ocampo, he never lost his cool. He just said, okay, you got me. Time for me to take you out. Like he's, it's just a cool, collected approach. He never loses his face, never loses his composure. And I believe composure is the key here in this fight. Am I predicting a Spence win? I think Spence beats Terrence Crawford all things equal. I don't think this is a fight where all things are equal. As a result, I think a draw is a strong probability as much as I don't want to see it. I think a close decision is a strong probability much as I don't want to see it. And the reason is because I think Crawford's going to box smart. I don't think Crawford's going to go after Spence. I think Spence is going to cut the ring off like he always does. I think they're going to have some moments and some exchanges. I think at the end of the day, it's going to be a boxing match that's going to go the distance and end up either a draw or a close decision for one guy. I believe if Crawford cannot maintain his composure and he cannot stay calm in there, and if he gets frustrated, I think Spence wins this fight. That's my call. I'm going to stick to that one. It's an exciting fight. It's a history-making fight. Just remember, though, just remember, it's required to have a rematch. That means there's a strong probability that you're not going to like the outcome of this fight because money's on the table. Hint, hint, wink, wink. That's going to do it for this week's episode of combat talk radio masterpiece boxing found at combattalkradio.net. i want to thank you for listening today whether you are a subscriber or not i know you have choices and i appreciate you for being here just to remind those that are new to the show combat talk radio records every friday so once a week in the pacific time zone and then lifeblood of boxing series which is our coverage of the boxers i think are worth your time and give to the sport That's once per month. It does not have a fixed schedule, but once a month I'll have a release until I run out of ones that I think are worth covering for Lifeblood of Boxing. So those are our two programs. It is podcast only at this point. We want to hear from you. So combattalkradio.net at the bottom. Hit comments, feedback. Let us know how we're doing. If there's anything that you'd like to see us adjust or improve, we want to hear from you and we are open to that feedback. We also are open to starting up the YouTube again, but it seemed like that died off when Lomachenko took a loss, and we don't know why. So if somebody knows why or they'd like to hear the YouTube coverage, let us know that as well in the comments, and we are open to doing it. We just need to make sure the fans are there. Right now they're on the podcast, not on the YouTube for whatever reason specific. We're open either way. Anyhow, that'll do it, and I will see you guys next week.